Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and this is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. As a mom of four kids in New York City and a writer myself, I know all too well how short everyone is on time, so I'm here to help. I'm going to interview authors and writers of all types about their work, especially as it relates to parenting and family issues. Hopefully you can listen while doing 8 million other things and fall in love with these talented scribes and their fantastic books, essays, and songs like I have, plus get some tips on surviving parenthood. For more about me, you can check out my essays at zibbyowens.com. Today's episode has been sponsored by Once Upon a Farm. We know you'd love to feed your little one fresh food you make at home, but when there isn't time for shopping, chopping, and blending, we've got you covered with organic, cold-pressed blends as close to homemade as it gets. Onceuponafarmorganics.com. I'm super excited to be here today with John Hennis. John is a partner in the restructuring group at law firm Kirkland & Ellis, where he has led some of the largest deals in the world. He has written extensively online for CNBC, Bloomberg, CNN, The Wall Street Journal, The Deal, Forbes, and Medium. He frequently appears on CNBC as a guest expert. John serves on the board of Caring Kind, the heart of Alzheimer's caregiving, Common Sense Media, the Foundation for Education on Honduras, and many other nonprofits. John has lectured at Harvard Business School, NYU Wharton Business School, Wake Forest Law School, and Cardoza Law School, where he is an adjunct professor. He lives in Manhattan with his wife and five children. His series of essays about coping with his mother's Alzheimer's disease are absolutely brilliant. So welcome to John. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, John, you are an amazingly prolific writer. Um, Your writing style is crisp, clear, and relatable. You even made me understand the top five reasons why the debt ceiling might not be raised, or at least I now have a grasp on the issue, from 2011 in a whole new way. How did you learn to write so well, and when did you start writing for publications? Well, I don't know if I write so well, but um, I started writing for publications back when the financial world exploded. Um, a guy named John Wald, who used to run CNBC at that time, was somebody I knew. And he reached out to me and said, we have nobody here who truly understands bankruptcy. Can you write something? I'm sh- try not to write it like a lawyer mm-hmm. and send it to me and let me see. And if I like it, I'll post it. Um, <clears throat> so I wrote it and he said, oh, this doesn't look like how a lawyer would write something. And it just kind of led from there. So I never had to submit things. I would just hand them over to CNBC and they would post them um, and I found that I like to write and I can write very quickly so I would have a few minutes in the day and would have some idea and would write it and that's how it started with CNBC and Bloomberg and those types of organizations and so you never even had to pitch people were just coming after you yeah I don't even know if they were chasing me I just <laughs> it became very easy to just go onto their blogs and put things on there that's great yeah it was fun awesome um, so while you're this amazing writer about all sorts of legal and business issues and really help, you know, distill the essence into something very simple for everyone to understand, I really wanted you on this show to talk about your series of essays on Medium about your beautiful mother, Karen, now age 71, who is living with Alzheimer's. Um, in your piece from March 2016 called My Mom's Vacant Eyes Living with Alzheimer's Disease, I'm going to quote if that's okay, you wrote... Yesterday, on my birthday, I visited my mom. For the past 10 years, my mom has been living with Alzheimer's disease. She is not alone. More than 5 million Americans live with the insidious carnivorous disease, which attacks their brains and steals their memories. The disease is not merciful. It does not impose a quick death sentence. Instead, it sadistically devastates its victims from strong, thoughtful, compassionate people to empty, distorted images of their former selves. It's horrifying and heartbreaking to watch. 
It's not like watching a car crash in slow motion. It's actually watching the person you love disappear slowly, one memory at a time, before your very eyes. I'm like literally about to start crying again. This is heartbreaking and so beautifully written. Um, How did you switch gears from professional writing and start writing about your mom? So I think Alzheimer's is an amazingly difficult disease to grasp and everybody deals with it differently and for a very long time I just didn't deal with it and one day um, actually my son was asking me some questions this is when he was obviously younger and I wrote a letter to my mom and I decided I was going to take my son with me because he wanted to see her and read it to her and then um, after I read it I showed it to a couple of people and people said you know you should try to publish this so then I kind of ran around knowing nothing about publishing and asking people, um, some reporters that I knew and things, what, where should I put this? Where should I publish it? Somebody mentioned Medium to me, so I just did it on Medium and I uh, sent it around. Maybe I posted it on Facebook. I can't remember 100% how I got it out there. And then it just kind of picked up and, I don't know, five or 6,000 people read it. Oh, my gosh. And I, but more importantly, I started getting calls um, and emails from people, friends, and others who um, said, hey, I'm kind of going through the same thing. I don't really know how to deal with it. You know, reading this helped a little bit, you know, to see somebody else going through it as well. Um, but everybody had their, everybody had a similar story, but their own unique story. Um, but on writing it, it just, for me, it just kind of helped me cope because I was not reaching out to other people and talking about it. I wasn't letting people know about it. Um, and then when I wrote this and I got the response in terms of, hey, this is helping me, then I thought, you know, maybe I'll write a little bit more. That's great. Were there some things that you found that you had been struggling with and not talking about that other people specifically had been struggling with? Yeah, you know, it, 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 the thing about Alzheimer's disease is that it doesn't happen all at once. It's not like you wake up one morning and you find out that your loved one doesn't remember anything. Mm -hmm. It's very slow. And every family deals with it and every person deals with it differently. So in my family, my father started to see differences in my mom and her, she was a financial planner. Her partner saw differences in my mom and then they raised them with her and she kind of got defensive and no, that's not true. I'm not forgetting things. Differences like what? Like what's new So she, my mother, um, my mother went back to school to get her MBA and then became a financial planner. And my mother is the type of person who connected with everybody. She always looked for a connection. People loved being around her because she was incredibly caring and, 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 just looked for the good in, in people. Mm-hmm. And when she was a financial planner, her clients loved her because she was trustworthy and honorable and, um, and, and good at what she did. And then she would just forget things. She wouldn't call people back, which she always called people back. And so people would say, you know, we're not hearing from Karen. Like, why is Karen not getting back to us? Or, you know, this, this uh, financial report that we were supposed to get because we needed it for our taxes, she didn't get it to us. Mm. So it was things like that. And they would ask her about it, and since she, her memory was going, she would say, that's not true. Of course I'm calling people back. I always call people back. Mm-hmm. So it was little things at first. And then my dad is the type of person, he's a veterinarian, he's, mm-hmm. you know, so he's like his medical scientist hat on. He's like, there's something wrong, we need to find out what's wrong. And so he ran around, you know, injured, um, going to different experts and hospitals to try to find out what was going on. 
But in the meantime, for me and for my wife, we were hearing little bits and pieces of this. Um, and none of it made sense because it was my mom, of course, there's nothing wrong with my mom. The, our, the genes in our family are amazing. Her, her grandmother lived to be 105, her great aunt lived to be 107. Um, she so was no, as healthy no as can be. No Alzheimer's. My grandfather, her father, late in his life, mm-hmm. developed it, but it was very, it was, you know, in his 80s, okay. right? And it was very quick. He, he, he got Alzheimer's and died within, you know, a few months, okay. but he was in his 80s. So there was no early, you know, 60 years old having right. Alzheimer's. So um, for our family, my dad's running around trying to figure out what's going on. I'm sitting there saying, wait, you know, this has got to be stress related because, mm-hmm. you know, my dad had sold his veterinary practice. So that was like a whole new thing for them. My mother's father had died. Her mother was sick. Um, you know, she was kind of the breadwinner now for the family. So I said, okay, this is just all stress related. Right. right? She's fine. She doesn't have Alzheimer's disease. It's right. crazy. And the rest of the family, her brothers, didn't believe it either. So it became actually a hmm. thing, for right. lack of a better word, yeah. where people were like, to my dad, you're crazy, right? She's fine. My mother being like, I don't have this. I'm fine. Me not wanting her to have it, so not wanting to believe it. And as all of this is going on, and, it's, and it, you know, this is all happening over a couple of years, um, you know, it does kind of pushes family members apart. Like my father and my mother's youngest brother don't talk at all anymore. Really? And they were very close for, I mean, you know, 50, however many years. There wasn't any sort of indication when he turned out to be right? No. I don't think, I still think they don't want to believe that it's all true. And so really? He Even just, now? Oh yes. my gosh. People run away. It's, it's a very scary thing, I know, as, as we were preparing for this. Mm-hmm. You know, people start thinking, well, wait a second, what if it happens to me? Right. So it gets very scary. So people want to run away from that uh, sometimes, right? Nice. Some people run towards it. Some people run away from it. But what I found when I wrote that letter to my mom and published it, mm-hmm. you know, one, one um, friend came to me and said, I want to talk to you very, very confidentially. So I'll do that confidentially now. And said, you know, my father has Alzheimer's disease. My mother will not allow anybody to know. So she hides him now from everybody. But he was a very prominent person, got fired from his job, all because of the Alzheimer's disease-related things, but nobody knew he had it. So mm-hmm. people thought, oh, he's just falling down on the job. Maybe he has some other problem. You know, who knows? Substance abuse, what right, could it right. be? Um, but uh, he, <clears throat> he said to me, I'm struggling because... I want to go get help. My mother doesn't, you know, she's embarrassed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what to do. And that I think a lot of families go through. That's so interesting. I never would have thought that. Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy thing. Most people, I mean, I'm like this. I, I've never, when I wrote the letter to my mom, people were like, we had no idea that mm-hmm. your mom even was going through this. People right? who knew her or just people knew me. Who knew you? Yeah. Right. Because I never talked about it. I still don't really talk about it. I mean, this is as much talking about it as oh, I've done a long time. <laughs> what was it like then? I mean, I've seen Still Alice, the movie about Alzheimer's, which I like never stopped thinking about. Um, but to see your mom sort of like, let me go back to, there was a quote you wrote in one of your pieces when um, she didn't recognize you. Hold on. Let me find it. It was from Thanksgiving. Um, well, no, of course I can't find it. Um, but you were, it was from Thanksgiving and you were saying, how can I be thankful when, um, you know, oh, here, how, how can I be thankful when I said to my mom, I am John, your son. And she smiled at me and responded, I think maybe I do know you, but I don't know how. 
Like, what, what is that like? It's, like, so devastating it's to even read it, right? Yeah. Do you want to just cry? I mean, I would feel like I would just, like, burst into tears. Like, yeah, it's it's devastating. I mean, you sit there and say, okay, this is my mother. Right. <clears throat> but that's when I think the struggle, and I think I've come, not full circle, 180, I don't know what the exact yeah. degree is. Um, you know, my initial reaction was, I just, I can't do this. Right. right? Like, yeah. she's already gone. She's not there anymore. So yeah. why am I dealing with this? Um, I'm kind of now at the point where I've said, okay, I need to go see her. Maybe yes. it's for me, maybe yeah. it's for her. I don't know who it's for, mm-hmm. but I need to go and at least spend some time with her. And you stopped seeing her for a while, right? Or yeah, I haven't seen her probably for, I don't know how long, six months maybe okay. now. You know? mm-hmm. And it's not, it, it, it hasn't been a conscious thing. It hasn't mm-hmm. been I'm not going. It's been much more I'm just incredibly busy. I've got five kids. I'm yeah. running around. I've got work. So... You know, how do I, when do I have time to jump in the car and drive to Westchester to see my mom? Right. Right. Yeah. I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. I can always make that excuse. And it's not a, you know, conscious, I'm making that excuse. I don't want to go. It's just, but at the same time, anybody else in the world could look at that and say, wait, you mean you can't jump in a car and drive 45 minutes to go see your mom? Of course you could. Um, but it's a hard thing. Right. And now... I mean, she's past that. I mean, she can't really right. speak at all. Right. So oh. there's no, it's not going to be, hey, do you remember me? Do you know who I am? Oh, I think I recognize you. It mm-hmm. would be, do you know who I am? And she, you know, her body's tightening up. Her, She clenches her jaw. The doctor said she's going to break her jaw because she yeah. grinds her teeth so hard. I just saw a friend of mine who, um, he, and he did just come up, uh, I should say, a friend of mine, but I haven't seen him for years. Mm-hmm. I ran into him. And he came over and said, oh, I don't know if you know, but my mom has Alzheimer's. She, he said she's in a nursing home and they just called to say she forgot how to eat. Right. And that's what happens. I mean, if if the Alzheimer person with Alzheimer's lives long enough, their whole body forgets everything. So at the end, the way they die is they forget how to swallow. And that's it. And they get some tubes to feed them until they die. I mean, it's a terrible thing. Oh, my God. So yeah. Terrible. That's horrible. So, what happened? Um, you wrote in one of your essays that you were at the Jew- in the Jewish corner, Jewish quarter in Italy, right? yes. Um, and it made you realize that you wanted to reconnect with your mom and all her love of Italian language and everything. Tell me about what happened there. So, uh, my wife and I just went to Italy, and um, we were in Rome, and we went to the Jewish quarter. And the second we walked into the Jewish quarter, not if you've been there, but it's very small. Um, my mother was with me right away, like because I, that is where she would have gone first. Are you she Italian? always did. She, Are you Italian? No, no, no Jewish, Jewish. Yeah. Jewish yeah. Right? So there are Italian Jews. There are Italian right? Jews. Yeah. I don't think we're Italian okay. Jews. But, um, so she would, anytime she would go anywhere, when she would come back, there'd be some discussion about some synagogue. Right? Could be anywhere in the world that she'd go. So when we walked in, I was like, if she was here right now, you know, between you know the Hebrew letters everywhere to the Mandel bread, which my great grandmother mm-hmm. used to make. Um, you know, to just having this like small group of people, she would have this small group of Jewish people in Mm -hmm. this, you know, incredibly Christian country. She would have just been all over that and loved it. And so my wife and I have been talking for a while. My wife's been pushing me to go see my mother, which I appreciate. And she's right about it. Um, but at that moment I was like, okay, she's with me. And it also, you know, one of the things I've written about, I guess, and maybe talked about a little bit. I was at a funeral, um, this is now years ago, and the father, uh, a father, a grandfather died. And we were at Central Synagogue for the funeral, Mm -hmm. and obviously it was incredibly sad, right? Because funerals are terribly sad, and somebody that everybody loved so much died. Right. 
and we sat there and the, the, the kids got up, the grandkids got up and they talked about this man and how much they loved him and how much he mean to them. And they told all these stories about how, uh, how funny he was, how incredible he was in this way. Uh, business colleagues got up, you know, friends got up and just this, you saw this whole picture of this person mm-hmm. and their whole life. And I was sitting there and while I was a hunt, you know, it was like sad and felt terribly for the family. Then I watched everybody come together for this family, right? And so you had, I don't know, 500 people, however many people were there, that all were there to yeah. celebrate this man and to be there for this family. And then I realized that with Alzheimer's disease, you don't have that. Like my, I, I've said this to my wife, when my mother finally dies, physically dies, mm-hmm. I'm not sure there'll be anybody at the funeral, right? Well, I'm sure that's not true. Well, I'm not sure how many people really will be there because so many people have left and gone on with their lives. Like she's gone to so many people. It's yeah. like, it's as if, I mean, even for me, it's as if she died years ago. And then do you remember all the stories, right? Because they're not like fresh in your mind anymore. You know, it's almost like talking about, right. you know, somebody who died years ago. And so, but with Alzheimer's, you see that people, how long can you expect, you know, somebody's friend to sit around, you know, and kind of while this person's disappearing to just be there. And my father has said that too, that, you know, when she first got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, there were so many friends around. Hmm. And then one at a time, they would kind of go off. And my dad, you know, he, he, I don't know if he a hundred percent understood it. He'd be like, this doesn't seem fair. Everybody's leaving me. I've got this to myself. I would sit there and be like, dad, what are they going to do? Like they have their own lives, their own things to go to. They can't just sit around and watch mom. Um, but it's a very difficult thing. But when I was sitting in the Jewish quarter, I think something that went, I was like, okay, she may be gone, but as if she has already died, you know, mm-hmm. she's always mm-hmm. going to be with me. Yeah. Right. And so as we were sitting there walking through the Jewish quarter, talking about her, you know, that's how you, I guess, keep people alive, I guess. You know, there should be some, like, the, the process of mourning, right? It starts so much earlier for you, and yet people, you can't get the vindicate, you can't get the emotional, like, there's so many societal things where people gather together exactly. at this funeral, and you and yet you miss that. That's and right. So you're, like, si- sort of silently suffering, and yep. it's very, it must be, it feels so lonely in a way I to be it, mourning the loss of a person slowly versus... Exactly. And it's not a real morning, right? Because um, they're still there. They're still there. So but it's still the morning. I mean, it's still losing like the soul of somebody, yes. right? The soul is slipping away. A hundred percent. So you don't know when it happens, right? right? Like it's, it's, it's this thing that where you're, you're watching, right? The person yes. disappear. Yeah. And one day you're like, Oh wait, that person's now gone, but you didn't know when I, right. I've said this to my wife. I've said, oh. you know, I almost feel like if somebody gets diagnosed with Alzheimer's, you should go have like a memorial service right then. Let the person be there. Do something like so everybody can come around because then it's just it's it's just a slow yeah. usually slow, especially if it if it hits early in somebody's life, just like this slow decline. I think they should have memorial services for everybody while they're alive. (laughs) That'd be nice. I mean, why not hear all the good stories, you know? I mean, my grandmother, who's 95, keeps being like, all right, read me your speech. Let me hear it. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not ready to write it yet. And she's like, come on, come on. I don't want to miss it. You know, let me read it now. I get that. I get it too. It's like, um, 
So if you could go back in time, like 15 years ago, say, before when your mom and you had just this great relationship and whatever, and um, would you handle things any differently? Would you tell her any, would you be a different type of son? Would you tell her what was to come? How would you do anything differently? I don't know if I'd do anything different with my mom. I mean, my mother and I were incredibly close um, our, my whole life. I mean, mm-hmm. she was definitely, you know, she was my confidant and she was my... Are you my, the oldest? Are you the only? I'm the old, uh, I have a sister who's right, right. eight and a half years younger than I am. Okay. Um, my mother, was, we were incredibly close and we we're, you know, we look a lot alike and we, um, and we, we're, we're very similar in a lot of ways. So I'm not sure I would do, I, I hope I was a good son to her. I think I was. Um, I think I do different things now since she got Alzheimer's disease, but I do think that, um, you know, I think having a conversation with the one thing maybe I would have done is to say, what would you really want? And this is, mm-hmm. this is going to sound really horrible, no, it's no, just, it's okay. but this it's is okay. from my perspective. If somebody told me today, mm-hmm. you have Alzheimer's disease now, mm-hmm. now, like not you're going to have it in 20 years, but you have it now. And you're just going to start forgetting everything and everything's going to go away and your body's going to shut down. I, I really do think I would say, okay, at some point you've got to find a way just to like, for everybody, for me, for you, for the family, for friends, just let me die. Find a way to let that happen. Yeah. Because like her life now is, there is no life. Mm-hmm. And, and my father, I mean, he, you know, he is, it took him a long time. It was incredibly hard on him and he went and got help um, early on. But he now has another, you know, he has another life and he's doing a lot of things. Um, he's still taking care of her. She's still living at home. He's mm-hmm. still there. For, but that's so hard for him mm-hmm. and so hard for him to watch it all. Okay. And for me, for my sister, my, my kids, my oldest two kids, um, they know her. They knew her because she was still kind right. of around in there when they were little. But my three youngest, they, I mean, they talk about her a little bit, but they have no idea. And we don't bring them there because... I don't know what, Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, I don't know what it would even mean to them. Um, so I don't think I would say anything, I don't think I would do anything different. I mean, I'm sure there were little things here and there I would do differently um, looking back, but I do think it's more of how do you deal with it moving forward? So I, um, I took that, tw- I think I mentioned to you, I took that 23andMe test that says I'm at higher risk for Alzheimer's later in life and I have Alzheimer's in my family. Knowing that, like in my head at least, I've been like, well, let's say my risk is higher when I'm 75, right? And now I'm almost 42. So what's that like? I have 33 good years. That's like 33 Christmas vacations. Where should I go? Do you mean like work backwards? Yeah. Because after that, it's kind of like not to say. I mean, not to say it will definitely happen, and um, you know. But I think for so many people, it's a possibility out there, and it just maybe helps live life better now. I mean, whether or not it's 75 or, I mean, obviously any of us could get hit by a car tomorrow and everyone has their expiration date at some point. Yes. How do you live life today knowing that either this type of thing is coming or just something is coming? How do you keep that in every day and, and sort of be more present or mindful or whatever? Look, I, for me, I think, I try not to think about what would happen if I or somebody else got Alzheimer's disease, because to your point, you could get hit by a car tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I do think just, you know, you just yeah. got to live life to the fullest. I do think, though, um, when you think about how many, so, you know, life expectancy is getting longer, mm-hmm. right? So yep. we're seeing more and more, you know, um, um, people getting Alzheimer's disease. I think some of that's from longevity. There's other people that are talking about all the different drugs people take now, not, mm-hmm. you know, like 
to help them sleep or anxiety mm-hmm. could also have an impact. But I think okay. that focusing on, I know, for everybody, <laughs> I think that for um, find, trying to find a cure, right, at yep. the end of the day is so important. And, and if you look at how much money the federal government spends on diseases and Alzheimer's is so small, which to me is crazy because you have, I mean, all diseases are bad and we want, I mean, if we could have a cure for every disease, that would mm-hmm. be amazing. But so many people are impacted. So, you know, I don't know how many it is exactly today, but let's say it's 5 million people with Alzheimer's. Yeah. If you think about how many other people are impacted by that, their families and everything else, you, yeah. you know, you could be talking about 20, 30, 40 million people. Um, but I think, look, obviously everybody should live life to their fullest and, um, you know, enjoy every moment because you never know when it's going to end, but you never, but that goes for not just us. It goes for, you know, us looking at, because who knows if somebody that we love gets it. I mean, you know, that's, I watched, I mean, with my mother just watching that happen. I'm so sorry. No, thank you. I appreciate it. No, it's just so awful. I'm sorry you have had to go through this and, um, I mean, the good that's come out of it is your ability to share so honestly and openly with so many people in the writing. And do you have um, any other aspirations with your writing? You know, I think this would be such a beautiful memoir. (laughs) I appreciate it. So I'll say this, two things on that. The way that I generally write Mm -hmm. is I just, like, the thing I wrote about my mother in the Jewish quarter, Mm -hmm. it just... It came to me, I have my phone, I go onto my notes while I'm sitting in the car, you know, like going to the next, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, going to the Coliseum or whatever, and I just type it out and I write it and I send it to Pam, my wife, she reads it and then I post it, right? So that's, it's generally just like inspirational, Mm -hmm. right? Something inspires me and then I write something quickly. Um, But I've I've always thought about publishing, if I really thought it would help people, um, you know, and I can't help it, this is just my own, you know, personality, I sit there and say... Yeah, I wrote something, and maybe it helps somebody. But why? What does? Is it really that meaningful, right? There's, but so I do think about writing it and putting it together. I have no idea how I would do that, but. Well, I think connecting with people and making people feel less alone in whatever journey they're on, always is helpful. I mean, that's sort of I don't know. That's like connecting. That's no, like I think that's like, right. I mean, I mean, I haven't even gone through this yet, and I feel like I was so personally moved by what you wrote, and. Uh, uh, you know, if I were actually, anyway, I think you should Thank keep you. it up. It's beautiful. I just want to read, um, one more passage that you wrote to close. Um, it was the same essay that I started by reading the one about, um, my mom's vacant eyes. You wrote, I turned from the picture, um, you had walked, you, you had been looking at, at a, a picture of your mom back when she was fully present. I turned from the picture and walked back to my mom. I smiled at her and looked into her eyes. They were vacant. Behind her eyes is a disease, a disease slowly eating away at her brain, although the ferocity with which the disease is acting is now increasing in strength and speed. I so wanted to connect with her right then. It was my birthday, and if only for one moment I wanted my mom back. I wanted her to know how much I love her and how much I appreciate everything she did for me. I wanted her to know how much I miss her and how so often I would do anything just for a hug from her or to hear her amazing words of wisdom and understanding. But as I stood there, smiling at her and looking into her eyes, it was clear that my mom left some time ago. She was no longer there behind those vacant eyes. She no longer lives in that frail human frame that topples over. She no longer lives behind those eyes that stare straight ahead. Instead, she lives within all of those people who she connected with and loved. Instead, she lives within me. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so pretty. I mean, it's just so beautiful. 
Anyway, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank and, you for um, this. Uh, thanks for sharing with listeners. Thank everything. you. Thanks, John. Thank <laughs> you.